Live from Edinburgh, Radio Napier, News. Good afternoon. It is three minutes past five and you are listening to Radio Energy. I'm Jamie Smith. In today's news, with the ongoing conflict in the Middle East, a pro-Palestinian demonstration has been called for tomorrow, coinciding with Armistice Day, with Suela Braverman, UK Home Secretary, claiming police bias after the Met declined her request to ban protests in London. Organisers of the rally in Edinburgh are expecting thousands on the streets here in Scotland's capital. The ongoing mass killing now reaching 11,000, uh, will ensure that large numbers of people turn out to express their horror and their disgust and their hope to save some Palestinian lives. Scottish water workers have announced four days of strike action, starting today over unresolved pay disputes. Some 500 members of the GMB union have walked out, refusing the latest pay deal. Scottish Water has said it will do everything it can to avoid impact to customers. And the 31st edition of the UK French Film Festival opened yesterday at the F- French Institute in the Lothian Chambers. There is an eclectic programme of cinema français planned across Edinburgh and other UK cities. The opening night aired the film The Tasting with naturally a wine tasting to accompany proceedings. Our top story today, a pro-Palestinian demonstration is being organised for tomorrow in Edinburgh to coincide with Armistice Day events alongside many other UK, uh, other cities across the UK. Lorna Imla reports on the event. Tomorrow, thousands are expected to attend the latest Edinburgh pro-Palestinian protest one of the many scheduled across Scotland. Coinciding with Armistice Day, it is scheduled to begin at 12 noon on Waverley Bridge, after the 11am Remembrance Service taking place in Princess Street Gardens. The protest is being organised by the Scottish Palestine Solidarity Campaign, who have been responsible for many such protests over the past month. This latest event comes after five were arrested this Thursday for occupying the roof of the Scottish Parliament, as well as the controversial wounding of an elderly poppy seller. Northern Ireland veteran Jim Henderson, 78, claimed to have been punched in the back and side after being caught up in last weekend's protest, though an inquiry into the incident by police was shut down yesterday due to insufficient evidence. Debate around the timing of tomorrow's protest being held on Remembrance Day was ignited by Prime Minister Rishi Sunak, calling the protest provocative and disrespectful. Well, Remembrance Day is a time for national reflection. Uh, I, I want to make sure the police have our absolute and total backing to clamp down on any acts of criminality, but also to ensure public order. First Minister Hamza Youssef, whose own family members were stuck in Gaza for three weeks, has hit back at the UK government, saying he's beyond angry, and accused the UK government of trying to drive every issue into a culture war. Mick Napier a representative of the Scottish-Palestinian Solidarity Campaign, has spoken about why their protest is important. We are hoping to build up pressure to force our government to stop arming, supporting and even egging Israel on in a state of mass killing that's still ongoing in Gaza. In response to government claims that the protest is inappropriate, Mr Napier said that Remembrance Weekend is the perfect time to call for the end of violence. How preposterous. We celebrate almost this day the end of the mass killing 
on Armistice Day to call for an armistice in Gaza. And how people can find this somehow clashing is something I really can't quite understand. According to Scottish-Palestinian Solidarity Campaign, the marches are expected to continue in Edinburgh until Israel calls for ceasefire. Pressure is building up, not just in Belgium and Spain, but in America. That, that pressure, when it builds up to a certain degree, will embarrass our governments into pressurising Israel for a ceasefire. We can never know when that will happen, but the greater our effort, the sooner it will happen. Scottish Water is the latest to announce strike action, with three unions calling a walkout, having refused a a recent pay deal. Scottish Water has told customers they would do everything they could to reduce impact. Ralph Fairhurst reports on the fallout. Workers at Scottish Water are starting four days of strike action today, after a dispute in pay. Strike action began this morning and runs until midnight on the 13th of November. Scottish Water said duties continue as usual, even with staff striking. Union members from Unison, Unite and GMB are all walking out in the dispute. Media manager at Scottish Water, Keith Sinclair, said Scottish Water has plans in place to protect essential services for customers ahead of industrial action that started today and is due to run until Monday. A senior management team has been looking at all areas of Scottish Water's activity that might be impacted by the strikes. Uh, which is being led by members of the Unison Unite and GMB Scotland trade unions. We regret that the unions have decided to take this industrial action. Scottish Water remains committed to reaching an agreement with our unions that avoids industrial action. This has been the case throughout the negotiations over the proposal to modernise a 21-year-old pay and grading structure and to provide employees with an in-year award of at least 8% for all. We'll do all we can to ensure that customers don't experience any disruption to their water supplies and that uh, the treatment of the country's wastewater continues as usual, despite the industrial action. Unison members voted 78% in favour of the action and said, it means that emergency repairs will not be done, water quality checks will not take place, and if the public report problems with their water supply, sewage or drainage, they will not be dealt with while staff are on strike. This situation has come about after Scottish Water refused to give its staff a pay rise unless they agreed to a new pay and grading proposal that will see their earnings of their lowest paid staff drop by up to £5,000. Branch Secretary for Unison Scottish Water Branch, Patricia MacArthur, said, Strike action is always a last resort, but Scottish Water managers are imposing a new pay structure with no staff involvement, which is not acceptable. It is storing up problems for the future. It seems that the Scottish Government's Fair Work and Equality Commissions doesn't matter in our biggest and most precious public asset. We need urgent intervention from the Scottish Government, talk with unions and get Meaningful talks started. How much do you usually spend on your data? The Scottish Health Minister is in trouble after spending £11,000 on data roaming. He claims the Parliament-issued iPad had an outdated SIM card that he was not aware of. However, new reports suggest he was told in February 2022 to switch providers. Our reporter, Veronica Bacilli, is trying to get to the bottom of this unusually high bill. Scottish Health Minister Michael Mattison paid £11,000 bill for using data rooming through his parliamentary iPad during a one-week family holiday in Morocco with his family. The amount of money was paid by taxpayers' money. The minister refused to apologise, stating that he used data only for parliamentary business. 
We ask the perspective of an expert from an EE SIM provider. We ask him to explain us what data rooming is, if it's actually possible to spend that amount of money and how much would you usually spend when using your data abroad. So it allows you to use um, your mobile phone, mobile network outside of your own network, outside your own country. Well, if you've, if you've set up the enrollment before you go, then you have a, you may, it may be included in your current plan or there would be a daily rate to use it. So it would sound unlikely that you'd be able to use that amount of money. So for 30 days, it's between 15 and 25 pounds or 2.29 a day. How much do people usually spend on data rooming when they travel in abroad? We ask people their average costs and what do they think about the fact that the bill of £11,000 was paid through taxpayer. I once spent $350 on a cruise abroad. It wasn't good. The last time I was abroad, I was in Paris, it was 11 or £14 for eight days. Um, it would be around the same, uh, about mm-hmm. £11, £11 probably for a week. Mm-hmm. Something, around, something around those lines, yeah. No one would be paying £11,000 for data roaming for going abroad for a week so it's a bit ridiculous that the taxpayers have to pay for it yeah i think the most that i've spent abroad is around 100 pound we don't know how it's possible that the health minister managed to spend that amount of money in data roaming but if you want to prevent yourself from bad surprises we recommend you to be careful when using your data abroad A sudden death prompted emergency services to a busy city centre street in Edinburgh this morning. Our reporter Julia Greco is here to tell us more. Emergency services reported they had to respond to a sudden death in a city centre street in the early hours of the morning. Gardens Crescent is quiet in the early hours of the afternoon. So is Morrison Street. Cars driving by are the only audible sound in the area. Nothing suggests the presence of police cars or emergency services that were reported being seen in the early hours of the morning. It was around 8am when three police cars and an ambulance were seen parked on Gardens Crescent, just off of Morrison Street. An apprentice barber from Barbarossa Barbershop said he might have seen something when he was on his way to work in the morning, but he does not know what happened or why police was there. I was walking up here about 10 o'clock and I saw a police car and they had blue bags full of like maybe duvets or something but that's about all I've seen. The young boy did not see any ambulances on the scene. Just the, just the police, was about a police car, one police car is all I've seen. A construction worker said he'd only seen the blue light of an ambulance from the other side of Gardens Crescent but he did not know what they were doing in the area at that time of the day. Despite reports of police scouting the area for inquiries, no one in either Gardens Crescent nor Morrison Street knows that anything has happened. Other local businesses do not appear to have seen any emergency services parked in either street. Residents of the area were unaware of anything happening in the morning. Police Scotland officers have confirmed that they're treating the sudden death as non-suspicious. The identity of the deceased has not yet been revealed to the public. And now for local news, Suzanne O'Brien. A vehicle is stranded in the water on the slipway at North Berwick, West Beach. 
and a rescue mission for the car is currently underway. North Berwick Coast Guard Rescue Team have confirmed that the relevant teams are aware of the situation and they are considering how to return it to its rightful owner. It is understood that nobody is in any danger following the incident. A fire in Granton Park Avenue could be seen for miles as a plume of black smoke billowed across the city earlier today. The Scottish Fire and Rescue Service was called to the scene at 10am this morning. No casualties have been reported. An Edinburgh-based sculptor has won the 2023 Public States and Sculpture Association Award for Excellence in Public Sculpture for his Covid memorial. Kenny Hunter created the set of four sculptures located outside the College of Surgeons to commemorate NHS workers who worked on the front line during the pandemic. Mr Hunter had this to say about winning the award. It's a great deal in terms of a sort of professional recognition for people who um, understand the field or understand the context that you work in. I mean, I think obviously a public vote is a nice thing to win as well, but it's slightly different in the sense that other practitioners understand it at a deeper level. Edinburgh Dogs and Cats Home have begun their winter appeal asking for donations. The charity says that winter is an especially difficult time of year, as high energy prices drain funds whilst demand for their services increases. They add that the number of people having to give up their pets has risen significantly this year, largely due to the costs of living. Lothian's MSP Miles Briggs has issued fresh calls for tougher laws and more robust clean-up action to discourage graffiti following growing complaints from the community and local businesses. A local mural artist, who wishes to remain anonymous, disagrees with Briggs. I think the opposite should be happening. I think it should be actively encouraged to produce art on the walls of Edinburgh, as long as they're not on the, the older buildings of Edinburgh, such as, you know, like the, where the stonework in itself is actually quite a beautiful thing to look at. But in terms of the newer build, I think the government should be encouraging and paying artists to change and transform the landscape. You're listening to Radio Energy, a reminder of the main news so far. Thousands of pro-Palestinian demonstrators are expected on Edinburgh streets tomorrow on Armistice Day. Workers at Scottish Water have announced four days of strike action over an ongoing pay dispute. Scottish Water has said it is doing all it can to reduce the impact for customers. And coming up... Having heard already about pro-Palestinian demonstrations in Edinburgh tomorrow, the UK tomorrow the UK Prime Minister Rishi Sunak is also coming under increasing pressure to sack the Home Secretary Suella Braverman following her handling of the Met Police, in which she criticised the force of their decision to not ban pro-Palestinian demonstrations in London. Our politics correspondent takes a look at the unfolding story. The issue of homelessness in Edinburgh continues to worsen due to the housing crisis, leaving 5,000 families in Edinburgh without a proper home. Homelessness charities are urging the Scottish Government to act now before the crisis gets any worse. Two of Scotland's biggest homelessness charities say that the homelessness crisis in Edinburgh has reached a tipping point and that the Scottish Government cannot ignore the issue anymore. Edinburgh City Council voted on the 2nd of November to recognise and seek to address the scale of Edinburgh's homelessness crisis. In the wake of this vote, Ewan Aitken, the CEO of Cyrenian Scotland, said to the Daily Record that the homelessness crisis is at a tipping point and will pressure the Scottish Government into taking urgent action. 
Aitken hopes that this vote will force the government to recognise the extent of the crisis and take immediate steps to address the lack of housing in Edinburgh. According to him, if the government wants to turn this crisis around, they need to make major investments in social housing and make more land available to build new houses. Kelly Inns, Head of Services at Foursquare Homeless Charity Edinburgh, said that the Scottish government has to do something about the crisis. I think they have to do something. I don't think it's a case of whether believing it. I think looking at the lack of social housing, the amount of people, including children and families, that are in temporary accommodation just now is not OK. And actually, there's no actual real solution to this for the longer term. In terms of having access to social housing at the moment, it's very, very difficult. People are waiting two to three years in temporary accommodation. We, in some cases, no access to kitchen facilities, no access to washing facilities, like basic things that we, we, we have a right to access. In Inn's opinion, the main barrier to getting people who attend homelessness services a home is the lack of social housing. The biggest problem is lack of social housing because we can all do this and drive for it and the person can have the priority or the silver or the gold. But if the housing are not, if there's no houses at the end of it, then where are we meant to support a person to get there? And that, that's, a, that's the biggest challenge. So yeah, we are on a tipping point of an emergency crisis. She also highlighted that the lack of funding available for charities and services limits the help they can offer those impacted by the housing crisis. But their, their funding's now limited, so at one point we could access funding for people to help them when they moved house so that they could have basic stuff. And that's now limited to like 12 applications a year, which, which you're, you're talking with supporting 300 to 400 people, we can only access 12 grants. The main message charities are conveying is that the housing crisis and the rising numbers of people becoming homeless desperately needs to be recognised and addressed by the government. And now for news from across the UK and abroad, over to Anna Flynn. The Gaza Health Ministry has accused Israel of launching airstrikes on hospitals in Gaza earlier this morning. Palestinian officials have said that there has been one death and several injured in the largest hospital in the city, Al-Shifa, where civilians have been taking shelter. The World Health Organization has described intense violence at the scene. Meanwhile, the US have announced that Israel have agreed to commence four-hour military pauses every day in northern Gaza to allow residents to leave the area. However, they have said there will be no ceasefire. The death toll in Gaza as of today has exceeded 10,000. Parents are left devastated after it was revealed that life-saving cystic fibrosis medication may no longer be accessible under the NHS. The National Institute for Health and Care Excellence, NICE, are questioning the cost-effectiveness of the drug Kaftrio on its taxpayers. NICE has revealed that they do not recommend the drug for cystic fibrosis as it costs £240,000 per patient annually, leaving patients of children diagnosed with the disease worried that the NHS will remove free access to the drug. NICE reassures that patients already on these drugs will continue to have access through the NHS. Prince Harry has won his latest legal battle against the Associated Press following the latest court ruling today. Now, today a judge has decided that this case can continue, basically. The uh, Associated Newspaper legal team had argued, was trying to argue, that time had run out for this case to be brought. Prince Harry has won the right to proceed with a trial against the Associated Press over allegations of privacy breaches, including phone tapping and revealing confidential information through unlawful means. Sir Elton John and Baroness Doreen Lawrence have also been given the green light for similar cases against the Associated Press. 
the Department of Work and Pensions has announced a Christmas bonus to help those eligible during the winter months. They have announced a 10-point one-off Christmas bonus to act as a small financial boost to help with the cost of living crisis during the winter. The bonus will be tax-free and individuals receiving benefits from the government will be eligible. Just Dance is creating a routine suitable for people in wheelchairs. The game has been played by over 135 million people globally since its launch in 2009, and the latest version will expand accessibility by including a routine which sits those with physical disability. 14-year-old Seth, who is from Vale of Glamorgan in Wales and lives with a muscle-wasting condition, was invited, along with children in need, to the Ubisoft headquarters in Paris, the company who created the game. There, he shared his ideas about the new routine with the team of Just Dance designers and choreographers. One of Ubisoft's accessibility design specialists, Stacey Jenkins, said that although there was still a long way to go when it came to making video games accessible, she was confident that things were changing for the better. Um, and enjoy yourself with your friends without actually having to be there in like, in front of them. Do you think game companies are doing Every game that we release that comes out, if it's more accessible than the last, then we're making good progress. Going now to Westminster, UK Prime Minister Rishi Sunak is backing his Home Secretary, Suella Braverman, following a series of controversies, the most recent being an an unauthorised article in The Times. Stuart Moyes reports. The British people deserve to know which party is serious about stopping the invasion There's only one way to describe those marches. They are hate marches. Living in a tent has become a lifestyle choice. Suella Braverman is no stranger to controversy. But the latest in a string of recent incidents has drawn severe rebuke from across the political spectrum. Writing in an unauthorised article in The Times, Ms Braverman accused the police of bias, claiming that Palestine protesters, referred to by the Home Secretary as mobs, were ignored while right-wing protesters are met with a stern response. She accused the police of double standards and of playing favourites with different groups of demonstrators. Calls for her dismissal have been swift, but Downing Street has said today that Prime Minister Rishi Sunak still has full confidence in the Home Secretary. Among those calling for Ms. Bowman to be sacked is Shadow Home Secretary Yvette Cooper, who yesterday blasted her conduct and the Prime Minister's reluctance to remove her from her position. And she is deliberately inflaming community tensions in the most dangerous of ways. She is encouraging extremists on all sides, attacking the police when she should be backing them. It is highly irresponsible and dangerous, and no other Home Secretary would ever have done this. Cabinet colleagues refusing to agree with her, former police chiefs lining up to condemn her. So two questions. Does this government still believe in the operation independence of the police and how can it do so while this Home Secretary is in post? And did the Prime Minister and Number 10 agree to the content of this article? Because either the Prime Minister has endorsed this or he's too weak to sack her. And if he can't get rid of her, get a grip of her conduct, it means he's given up on serious government and he and the Home Secretary should both let someone else do the job. Despite Mr Sunak's show of support for the time being, it remains to be seen whether the weight of government's many controversies will prove too heavy a burden for the government to carry. As artificial intelligence continues to evolve at a rapid pace, the University of Edinburgh has announced the opening of a new research and development laboratory with increased investment into generative AI and safety. Our technology correspondent Oscar Verdi 
reports. Artificial intelligence has dominated the news this week after Rishi Sunak met with Elon Musk at a Business Connect event and discussed the future of AI. There will come a point where no job is needed. You can have a job if you want to have a job, sort of personal satisfaction, but the AI will be able to do everything. Given Mr. Musk's stark warnings over the future of AI, it could be expected that education systems would stay clear of AI. However, Edinburgh University is set to lead a new era of generative AI after announcing a bold new multi-million pound initiative that will push the forefront of a generative AI project to benefit society and stimulate economic growth. Professor Helen Hasty, the head of the School of Informatics at Edinburgh University, spoke more about the project. I'm delighted to announce the creation of our new generative AI laboratory. The Gale Lab, as it will be known, will unite and supercharge our extraordinary research, innovation and leadership in AI. We are investing heavily in research and development for generative AI, but also in the safety of AI ensuring responsible and ethical use. But what exactly is generative AI? At a Turing lecture, Mirella Lapata, a professor in the School of Informatics at the University of Edinburgh, explained the terms. The term is made up by two things, artificial intelligence and generative. So artificial intelligence is for saying we get a computer program to do the job that a human would otherwise do. Generative, we are creating new content that the computer has not necessarily seen and give us new things. A press release from the university further explains that generative AI is a type of machine learning that can be used to generate various types of content, including text, images, audio, video, and computer code. In layman's terms, sites such as ChatGPT. But just how likely is generative AI to affect workers in the real world? Are Mr. Musk's fears way ahead of their time? A new report from the Financial Times details how within a few months of the launch of ChatGPT, copywriters and graphic designers on major online freelancing platforms saw a significant drop in the amount of jobs that they got, and an even steeper declining earnings. Meanwhile, in the entertainment industry, DreamWorks founder Jeffrey Katzenberg has highlighted his concerns over the use of generative AI in the industry. I don't know of an industry that will be more impacted uh, than any aspect of uh, media entertainment and creation. I think if you look at how media has been impacted in the last 10 years by the introduction of digital technology, what will happen in the next 10 years will be 10x as great. The future of generative AI within various industries remains uncertain. The possibilities seem endless, but one thing is clear. Enneborough University will be a bright light of education in the field. Tomorrow, Saturday the 11th of November, is Armistice Day and Edinburgh will be celebrating a weekend of remembrance for all those who have died in conflict. Ahead of the annual proceedings, Anna Wallace reports. In a quiet corner of Prince's Street Gardens, I find someone laying a cross to someone they never met but feel they want to commemorate today. Well, I'm here, my name's Eileen and I'm here because my uncle died in the First World War and I never met him. And I did go to visit his grave in uh, France uh, a good few years ago now. And, uh, and I've been coming since I was a little girl. An Armistice Day service will be held on Saturday, November 11th at Scott's Monument in Prince Street Gardens and on Sunday for Remembrance Day. I spoke with Jim Wilson, General Secretary with Veterans Scotland, an umbrella company of about 80 different service charities who are based in and around Scotland. The charity was set up to recognise that for many veterans and their families, aspects of life after leaving the service can be challenging. Jim provided his perspective on what these two days of commemoration in Edinburgh mean for people they work with. 
it gives people an opportunity to reflect on their service. It gives them the opportunity to reflect on the service of others, and in particular those who have made the ultimate sacrifice. Recent conflicts are very much in the mind of, of people of today. It gives an opportunity for people just to consider and think about, uh, and dare I say, thank those who uh, have passed. Military personnel and veterans attending services of remembrance will be able to travel to and from events for free. The offer will benefit people travelling anywhere in Britain on Remembrance Day. You know, whether it's the taxi firms from within Edinburgh who are doing poppy cabs uh, or the, the rail network where they're offering free rail travel for those who are, are attending services of remembrance. The idea of getting free travel to attend a, a, a major remembrance event and, dare I say, have an opportunity for old comrades to come together. And when I say old comrades, I mean 25, 26-year-olds, uh, as much as 75, 76-year-olds. Seeing people being able to do that is, is great. On Remembrance Sunday, people will also gather at the Stone of Remembrance, where wreaths will be laid and members of the armed forces and veterans will parade at Edinburgh Castle. All are welcome to attend the commemorative services and Edinburgh Council have listed road closures affected by the proceedings. And now for Sports with Ben. Thanks Jamie. Hearts will have their own remembrance service this Sunday next to the War Memorial at Haymarket. This service will begin at 10.45am with the men's and women's teams set to be in attendance. Those wishing to attend the event can find an order of service on Hearts' website. Staying with Hearts, under pressure manager Stephen Naismith has held his press conference ahead of their trip to Motherwell tomorrow. Naismith confirmed Odal Ophia remains out while Craig Halker and Craig Gordon are nearing a return to full team action. Hibernian boss Nick Montgomery has held his own press conference ahead of their home league fixture with Kilmarnock. Montgomery spoke of the test they face in their opponents and the importance of turning draws into wins. Ips have drawn five of their last six league games, with the only exception being a 4-0 defeat to Rangers. The Hibs boss says the physicality of Kilmarnock could be the main test for them. Edinburgh Rugby will be in action to face Championship leaders Connacht at Hive Stadium tomorrow night. Pierre Schoeman is set to make his 100th appearance for Edinburgh. The match kicks off at 7.45 on Saturday evening. On to ice hockey, and Edinburgh Capitals have announced their Skate with the Caps event, which invites fans to skate alongside the players. Caps player Joe Lynch explains that uh, on the Saturday 25th of November against, against Dundee that the players will be joined by fans in their game. And if you want more Edinburgh Sport content, tune in to the Weekend Preview podcast, where, which is joined by Scott and Karen Gibson. Thank you, Ben. Yesterday marked the beginning of the French Film Festival, a two-week event which will feature a variety of French-language films at the Institut Français in Edinburgh, including Je t'aime moi non plus, with the infamous Jane Birkin. Last night's opening featured a showing of the film Dégustation, which was preceded by a wine tasting. Our reporter, Lauren Cameron, went along to find out more. tonight for the opening of the French Film Festival at the Institut Français. We are here for a film called Une Dégustation. Ça fait du bien, un petit coup de rouge. Ça 
fantastic atmosphere here. The event is completely sold out. There's a real mix of people here from all over. We've got some French people, some Scottish people. You can see a kilt over there. Everybody has two glasses in front of them. We've got a white wine and a red wine. And we've got a very informative wine expert here with us who has just guided us through what to look out for when tasting a wine. Everybody seems to be enjoying the night. We've got lots of chit-chat going on, everybody mixing. I think everybody's excited for the film. I shall sit in a nice wine-induced haze and enjoy the film. <laughs> Elle est comment Très gâteau. Ah, sang du Christ. Ah, il est bien. I'm Johan Mailanakis. I'm uh, in charge of the cultural aspects, more precisely to develop the cultural cooperation between France and Scotland. So we have a, a very wide set of events, particularly. So we, we do live events. Uh, can be concerts, could be uh, uh, cinema. We, we are very strong on, on cinema. So we have the beginning of our uh, programming for the French Film Festival in its uh, 31st edition. We have a, a series of nine films screened here at the French Institute. We're sold out. Very interesting uh, start for, for the, the French Film Festival. We have an event with the, the first film of the French Film Festival called The Tasting, or La Dégustation in French. We spoke to Stéphane Payet, the Consul General and Director of the Institut France in Edinburgh to find out more. We're happy to open the 31st uh, FFF, which is the French Film Festival. It's, it's a real pleasure for me to celebrate the cinéma français, some classics like The, the Big Risk with uh, Lino Vortura and, and Jean-Paul Belmondo. Because as you know, we're in a context, uh, not the movie theater, uh, the film house has been closed. And we are fortunately people like you who try to, to support the movies in, in Scotland and keep going. So thank you very much, Richard. Yes. The film festival will be running until the 18th of November, with the next film, Je t'aime moi non plus, showing tonight. So, if you're a French cinema fan or just want to try something new, head to the Insu Francais website to book your tickets now. Now, the weather on Radio Energy. For tonight, Edinburgh and the Lothians will experience clear spells and light winds this evening with frost and fog developing inland later with a minimum temperature of minus one overnight in rural places. Tomorrow we'll see a few showers moving in from the east but a mostly dry and sunny day by the afternoon. Maximum temperature, eight degrees. This is Radio Energy. Travel. There is currently slow traffic on the Edinburgh City Bypass westbound from Gilmerton and Dreghorn Junctions with an additional 15 minutes travel time. There are delays on the M90 onto the Queensferry Crossing with an extra 20 minutes. And there is slow traffic on the A8 Glasgow Road eastbound from Gogor Roundabout. Expect some delays. Live from Edinburgh, Radio Napier, News.